Hello, welcome to Mediation Station tonight. This is Greg Fenton, your host. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also listen to podcasts here of past radio shows at both soundcloud.com and at iTunes podcasts by searching under Mediation Station in the Arts section. Follow uh, us on our Twitter account, at Fenton Mediation. Tonight, our topic is called Transposing Life in Court into Words and Melody, and our visitor is Victoria Fly Clancy. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine. I'm okay. Pull your mic closer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I took the teeth out of it. It doesn't bite. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you being here tonight on Sunday night. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, absolutely. How about you share, you know, start off a little bit. How do you define yourself as a person? Um, Well, I definitely say I'm an extrovert. And um, I, I like to live in the moment and... Certainly, um, I value moments rather than objects and time with people. I think that that is definitely important. I'm very family-oriented. I care about my friends. Uh, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve, I think, and sometimes that can serve me well, and other times it can turn on me quickly. (laughs) Do you think people pick up on that easily enough because you wear it so externally? Um... Yeah, I, I would. I would definitely say so. Uh, I usually have uh, people approaching me for this, that, and the other. Lots of people mm-hmm. talk to me on the bus and that sort of thing. So yeah, you almost tripped me on the bus too today. Yeah, I did on the way up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, hey, I heard this voice and because I heard I must be going the right way or something like that, taking the right bus. That's right. Yeah. Well, I knew I knew I was going the right way when I saw you, Greg. Yeah, you're making an assumption because you're just assuming that I knew where I was going. <laughs> That's right. Well, you or that I was going it. here. Maybe it's going somewhere else. Yeah. So what are the things that you identify with as the being of importance or va- of value to you? Um, I think I think family, again, is, is very important. I'm from a big family myself. Honesty, I think, is also a really important quality in somebody uh, I think it's important to be able to trust other people and and in turn trust yourself as well you have so to trust yourself first before you can trust someone else I think so yeah I think you have to do a lot of things first before you can do them with other people you have to love yourself before you can love other people you have to accept yourself before you can accept other people so and likewise if you're going through some personal or internal struggles by extension that might mean that are other relationships are not always as healthy as we might want them to be? Yeah, I, I would say so. You also have to learn how to let go of some things and and trust, again, trust that you're moving in the right direction and that you're moving on to a new chapter of your life. Right. So h- how do you uh, see some of your lived experiences as contributing to how you've lived your life? Um, well, I'm an honest person. <laughs> So I think I, I look for honesty in, in other people. And um, 
yeah and I again valuing family being very family oriented and and thinking that that's uh, super important and and being extroverted and kind of living in in the moment I'm I'm big on on experiences with people as opposed to spending money um, mm -hmm. with people and uh, well what brings you to identify yourself as an extrovert relative to what you might understand to be an introvert uh, because I've been told by many people especially my mother that I'm very extroverted uh, I, I believe she says that I have no shame <laughs> those are her words so well, I'm, I'm glad then we're a uh, non-visual program that's right yeah. right I mean people have to use their imaginations as to you know what you look like and uh, that's right how yeah. you're behaving <laughs> how you're presenting yourself exactly so externally that's right is your mother listening tonight um, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I did put it out there. You so want to put, do a little shout out? What's her her name? Uh, Linda. All right. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, regardless of whether she calls you uh, an extrovert or not. Yeah. How do you see that being, you know, whether a way that's positive for you or? Yeah. Well, um, I think that. Now again, being a performer as well, yeah. I, I believe my my extrovert has always helped me. Uh, when it comes to being on stage, uh, singing or reading poetry or whatever it may be. Uh, not to say that every performer is an extrovert, but I do believe that it has served me well um, in the sense that I'm not afraid to ham it up when there's lots of people watching. You know, I, I identify, self-identify as an introvert. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm a really private person. Because you're a great conversationalist. Well, I just pretend nobody's there. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. There you go. Or some way. Yeah. No, ideally, yeah, that's that's been my life thing, that I'm generally uh, a shy person, apprehensive to be out in the public. Though in terms of doing the work that I do, whether as a professional, whether it works with people in many difficult situations, or being even on the program, yeah, I've had to venture into my areas of fear or concern or vulnerability. And that's where I found the greatest re reward for affecting personal change. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you got to scare yourself a little. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I believe you got to go, and that's what so I see the role that I play in terms of my professional world, to help people navigate for their fears, their unknowns, because when people generally struggle or go through conflict, they're struggling. Mm -hmm. It's something they don't want to experience, ideally. They ideally would like to be at a better place. Yeah. So when they're going through their struggles, they have a tendency, though, to remain in those bases because at least it's a known factor. They may not like it, yet also it tends to layer itself because the longer something goes on as a struggle, the more struggle the person gets and the more layers it gets to the struggle. Yeah. And then if people ideally want to get some plus else, they don't generally maybe go through those journeys of the, quote, the unknown, the fear. So I'd like to say that I help people navigate through those journeys to hopefully get to their ideal. Yeah. So how, in terms of you, you know, at some particular point in your life, you became involved with the family justice system. How did that happen? Um, well, it, it started when I had my son. <laughs> and uh, his name is William. He's wonderful. Hi, William. I'm sure you're asleep now, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get the audio out to him later. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess it was uh, shortly after he turned one, um, myself and my partner at the time had uh, separated, 
And despite our efforts to be positive uh, co-parents to William, I, I, the more people I talked to and the more um, people became aware of my situation, the more I realized that the family court system was just, you know, an, an inevitable part of my future. And uh, lots of people said that it's better to start when they're young, like when your children are young, because it's going to take a long time. And it certainly has, because it's nearly eight years now, and I'm still um, navigating my way through it. Yeah, I guess I guess I would say that's how it all started. And I, I took the first step initially and despite you know resolutions here and there throughout the years it seems that there's always we always find our way back into the court system anyways so um so when you took that step you initiated a process in the system yeah i i would think that you were feeling you had no other options yeah like i i definitely i had i felt like i had no other options i felt like it was something that i i just wanted I wanted something legal on paper. I wanted something that I could refer to later on down the road and say, well, this is, is the way it's supposed to be. Usually when you separate from somebody, it's because you can't agree on certain things. And, and parenting uh, can definitely be one of those things that people don't agree on. So I think that the court system helped in, in the sense that we were able to have something solid that that we had to agree on whether we liked it or not because it was imposed on you exactly by yes. <coughs> so sorry by a third party that's right that's yeah. the judge there right sits up on the pedestal and says okay you two can't get along it seems because i've given opportunities for you i'm just sort of giving yeah. an overview so you started a process and the other person to this matter the other parent was the respondent to this and then you two went through your struggles and at some point, it reached where the judge imposed the decision because the two of you couldn't do it on consent, per se. That's right. Which is not an abnormal situation. Right. It's, unfortunately, in some ways, not a normal. Yeah, a, a lot more normal than people would think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very common, I mean, you go down there, it's not like the place is empty. There's people everywhere. So there's so many people who are going through the same thing that you're going through or something similar. Um, and yeah, so it's definitely, you're definitely not alone out there. So when you started, did you have a lawyer representing you? Um, no, I did not. Uh, I did, um, utilize the advice council and the duty council that's down there, which mm -hmm. is kind of like the free, I like to call them 30 minute lawyers <laughs> provided for you for, uh, for however long it is they feel they'll The they'll people who are quote self-represented litigants. That's right. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, so I didn't have a lawyer. It was it was a lot of trial and error. And why didn't you go the route of a lawyer per se? Well, here's here's the other the other part of it. I did not qualify for legal aid, but did because not because your income at that time was higher than quote the financial threshold. That's right, but did not make enough to afford a lawyer at the regular rates. Yes, so I think, and again, I think that this is probably a common uh, reality. Yeah, that a lot of people don't know and. And I think it can be kind of scary, the idea of, quote unquote, representing yourself. Yeah. But again, when you're, when you're presented with no other option, you can do amazing things. You have a background that uh, we really haven't explored yet. Yeah. That uh, I thought was going to be really helpful to work through this program, too, in terms of your ability as a person to express themselves through words 
in either poetry or lyrics or music in some form. Yes, yeah. So what does that mean to you? Um, so I've, I've been writing poetry now for over 20 years. don't want to age myself too much well, out there. 21 or something? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, and it's always been something that I found to be very therapeutic. Um, I grew up reading a lot of books and still to this day am an avid reader. I find that reading and writing go hand in hand. The more you read, the more you write. Um, and it always, yeah, it always just helped me get through whatever it was that I was dealing with at the time. And, and it, was, it was a fun way to kind of take something that might have been a negative at one point and turn it into something that's positive. Right. So do you have, uh, you, you wrote some poetry. I did, yes. You have a few pieces that we're going to, you know, share throughout the program. Yes, I do. Is there one you want to present at this moment? Um, sure, yeah. So uh, this is one that I wrote uh, near the beginning, I guess, of the entire process back when my son was just a little baby. And I think um, this one kind of explores the the love that you have for someone in the in the sense that you will fight and fight and fight for that person okay um so it's called mommy uh i love you you never asked for this i did my heart did i envy you so comfortable so much time i wonder about you my wonderful you and can't help but ask myself where do i fit into this where did i go you answer back oh and i can hear you and the sweet serenity of your voice fills me. Doubt you not, I crumble at your feet. At no other's hand will I sing as gently as I will sing for you. At no other's hand will I love as purely as I will love you. At no other's hand will I live as vigorously as I will live for you. I give myself for you now and always. My heart beats because you are here with me. Love, Mommy. Mm -hmm. So... How, how does that, like put, putting your feelings to words, Yeah. how does that impact you or affect you? Uh, it gives me clarity, I think. Um, it, it takes something that maybe even I'm kind of confused about and, and makes it something tangible, something that I can go back and revisit time and time again. Uh, it's certainly humbling to be able to look back at some of the pieces that I wrote years and years ago and remember where I was at that certain time in my life and, and reminds me how far I've come since then. So so in terms of when you started your process, you were a self-represented person and then you started to appear in court. Yes. Was the other parent with counsel, a lawyer, or not? They were self-represented yes. too? No, they, they were with um, a lawyer. A lawyer, yeah. So how did you feel being, quote, a self-represented person who was supposed to organize and prepare and present all your perspective relative to a trained, educated, experienced person who's representing the other parent? Uh, it was certainly intimidating, that's for sure, and um, overwhelming, uh, definitely confusing at times, not, not understanding, I mean, these lawyers will speak to you as though you yourself have, you know, a, a law degree, <laughs> and you're sitting there scratching your head, trying to, you, you know, go through a thesaurus, yeah, and figure out like what it is that they're talking about. But, um, you know, uh, eventually you just you kind of move forward with it, and and you learn what what you can, and you just make sure that you know you have all your ducks in a row. I think that's the biggest thing is. Uh, 
preparation. Be as prepared as you possibly can and be prepared for absolutely anything. And I would believe it's an evolution. So you were in a certain place at that period of time. Yes. And then to now. Though let's do it in a progressive way. Yeah. How did you organize yourself or learn to organize yourself when you were starting into the system like that? Well, um, when I first started, uh, I often carry a backpack with me just about everywhere I go. So I would have my stuff kind of tossed in a backpack. Um, I'm short at only five feet one and I wear big baggy jackets. So I, I mean, I looked like a little kid half the time walking around with this knapsack on and a, and a big old jacket. Um, so I certainly wasn't as organized as I am now, but over time I learned that I should have some sort of a, a purse or as I put it, a lawyer bag. <laughs> Something to, to a little bit different than your backpack. That's right. Yeah, definitely don't don't. What do you think? Backpack. Backpacks give you or don't give you credibility. <laughs> well, mine certainly didn't. So <laughs> I digress, and um, yeah, and and make sure that you have something that you can put all your papers in and have them all organized. I I have mine all in date, mm -hmm. um, chronological order with color coded paper clips. And, and that's that was also true part of your learning curve yes definitely dollarama if i can promote well, anything out there. No, <laughs> no, like they have to pay their time <laughs> That's right. no they don't get freebies here <laughs> <laughs> so you learned that from going through in the court the system it's a very structured organized formal kind of place yes with lots of paperwork process rules right yeah timelines yes and so how did you get uh a way to connect with that too to appreciate that that was the necessity of your journey um well at the end of the day you're just another person who's uh part of the family court system and they really don't you know you're just somebody else if you can't get your stuff together they're certainly not going to get your stuff together for you so um so that's on you and and again i think coming back to the fact that you're fighting for somebody who doesn't have a voice when you're when you're in there fighting for your child or your child's rights and that can drive you so far <laughs> and you can do so many things that you never thought you were able to do so yeah I definitely got myself organized and just made sure I had all my all my dates I've got a big calendar in my kitchen I put all my dates down on there um, and I just make sure that I have my paperwork done well in advance so when you first started too, did you have this expectation things would get quote clarified or resolved? Oh, for sure. Really I, soon type thing. I I actually um, for years I felt like oh this is it this is the last time I'm not going to need to come back down here again. Finally, we've we've got something in writing. Everything's going to be okay. And and I think it was just this year that um, I came to realize and accept that this is now just a part of my life until my child is you know 18 years old or, or whatever the legal age is I'm, I'm not even a hundred percent sure um, this is just something that I'm going to have to walk through and and not to ever expect that it's gonna stop because then I'm just gonna be disappointed so I think that accepting it as just part of my life for now and remembering that one day this will all be in the past and it will just be a memory and and it won't be anything I have to deal with again hopefully fingers crossed um, that that really helped me as well to just kind of have acceptance right I, I think a lot of people's struggles are 
not appreciating the reality many times of what they're going through or they're going to go through because their expectations are different from what the reality is. Yeah. And then when it does it's not met, there's this great disappointment, frustration, anger, and it just, you know, makes itself through the with the person to be that much more affected and then their experience in this case going through the court system that much more challenging. Yeah. Because they're not necessarily as connected with it because there's a, this idea that it's going to end and it's not always dependent on the one person. Yeah. It needs and it requires the other person to cooperate yep. in some way. And if not, then who decides? That third party. That's right. The judge. Yeah. So that's the struggle. And so I, you know, I congratulate you on the getting the sense of that you had to rewire yourself, your mindset, mm -hmm. as to what you're thinking of the expectations were to what the realities are to now then say, you know, it takes down some of your internal pressure. Yeah. I'm sure it was every time you came to court, what, you were elevated in terms of expecting the worst or what? I, I've always um, I've always expected the worst and hoped for the best, and I usually end up pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, but but it certainly did help um, for me accepting that. I mean, even that anger that you can walk into court with sometimes it can give you some fire that that maybe you need. And I've I've definitely used that fire to to get me where I need mm -hmm. to go and that's something else that I learned as well as you know if you don't speak up if you don't push your way to the front of the line and say hey we're here we're only going to be 15 minutes can we be because sometimes you're 10th on the list and that means 2.30 in the afternoon and you don't have 2.30 in the afternoon you need to you know you want to get this ball rolling so sometimes mm -hmm. especially being self-represented mm -hmm. you, you need to go and and kind of be a little a little bossy sometimes. Or, you know, more assertive with... Uh, That's right. There you go. Your presentation yeah. of yourself and your what you're trying to do. Because, you know, people may not be aware that when they schedule something, let's say at 9.30, first appearance, or 10 o'clock for case conference, settlement conference, it's not just you. Oh, no. There's multiples of different people, files at that time. And then they take you according to the list. If you're there... Well, it's first come, first serve type of thing. Yeah. If you're not, then, of course, they have to wait for the other party if they're not there. Yeah. And then if counsel's there, relative to someone like yourself who was self-represented, they know how to maneuver themselves with regard to, and if the other person, like a self-represented person, doesn't know you have to speak up, you have to get in there. Yeah. They're going to be waiting even longer. Yep. And they're going to feel on the short end of the stick in some way. Yep. Because the conversations have also happened from counsel to the clerk or the person who's assisting the, the judge at that time. Mm -hmm. And then you're saying, what happened here? Did that ever happen to you in some way in the earlier parts? Um, you mean like waiting for a long waiting time? Waiting and then finding out something happened and it's oh, like, certainly. what happened? Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or being told at, you know almost three o'clock in the afternoon oh you're not going to be seen today we're going to have to reschedule it's going to be another six weeks before we can see you again and it's frustrating because you take time off work and mm -hmm. and you know you're all the way down at the courthouse and uh yeah it can be it can be a process that's for sure i always say it's it's as slow as uh, molasses on a cold day that can be slow <laughs> that can be slow people have to visualize that that's right so uh, we got like a collar here but you know i'm gonna 
Let me ask you this before we go to that. You've got a background, too, in addition to poetry. Yes. Music. Singer. Yep. Can you tell us about that, please? Sure, yeah. Can share about that? Um, so I've been writing and singing for uh, just about my whole life. Um, singing since I could talk and I always used to take singing lessons and definitely it was something that um, I was very passionate about so I would often perform wherever I possibly could I was even in a few bands uh, once upon a time and uh, I guess I started writing songs I wrote my first song when I was 12 I believe and then started consistently writing when I was about 17 years old uh, music uh, poems have always been something I've written ever since I was a kid I have a number of uh, books that are just full of song lyrics and poems and all that sort of stuff so I'm back we do have a person who called in we'll see what goes okay and uh, hi caller you're there yeah hi what can we do for you well, I was just going to reach out to your speaker online. Hi there. Yeah, hi. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just wondering about the, the nature of your uh, suffering as you go into the court. The nature of my suffering? Yes, especially with the family law court. Or we'll call it like, what, what's it been like for you overall in terms of going through the system? Um, so in the beginning, it was it was very challenging. It was scary. I would definitely say that um, the family court can be a very dark place at times. Um, usually, people who are down there are not happy. They do not want to be down there. I I compare it with going to the dentist. Uh, no offense to any dentists out there. I feel your pain. Yeah, but. Um, Definitely as the years progressed again and, and as I came to kind of accept things, organize myself, um, learn how to present myself, I've done a lot of research on my own online, talking to other people. Very good. Very yeah, getting to know the people down at the courthouse as well is huge. Uh, you can never smile too many times. You can never shake too many hands. Um, the more people you have on your side in your court, um, the better. So I feel like it, it went from being a super dark, kind of, you know, terrible experience to now being just another day. You go down, you handle whatever it is that you need to handle. It is, it is a tough thing. I, I have to admit, I have to admit. It is, yeah. Constantly, it's a different day, different people. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. I just was thinking... In lieu of the fact that it's so understaffed at the court, wouldn't you say it's a miracle that the people there get by an average day just based off of the volume of people that are constantly going through? It's just, it's, it's stunning when it's you say, like, you go through that whole security and then you never know what you're going to get. It's a, a, a potpourri, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's like the uh, life is like a box of chocolates. Yeah, the duty council, you never know if, if it's going to be a good duty council or someone that doesn't really care or if it's someone that your ex already used and it's a conflict of interest for them to even be consulting with you. So, yes, I definitely I feel you. I those people function because I got to tell you, I was there one time. It was crazy and they were just all over the place. But I feel your pain. So yeah. Me too being an artist, I... 
I have to express myself in some way. So again, I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, like the government should be investing more into this. Wouldn't you say something like this requires certain delicacy, you know, certain funding that should be going towards it, like the mediators provide. Yes, excellent yes. service, excellent service. Yeah. You would have to say that given what we have in Canada, Toronto, considering such a the busiest court in Canada, I'd say, would you, would you agree? Uh, well, fortunately, I haven't had to go to any of the other courts as of yet. <laughs> but but uh, this one, yeah, certainly. Some days it's super busy. Some days it's not. But um, it, it, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, but but what I always do as well is after going down to court, my myself and my husband always make sure that we go and we do something fun afterwards. We'll go out for lunch. We'll go play mini putt. So we try and kind of turn the turn the day around and and make some positive memories you have to, you have yeah to. you have to totally so totally. yeah but uh you know i just i wish it was better in these courts especially being a psychologist or having to deal with some of the people who don't speak the language it's just it's so difficult to have to do these things i i, I only feel your pain as you go in there having the experience hey thank you so I want to appreciate you calling in and sharing about that. No problem. No problem at all, Greg. Love you, sir. Love you, sir. All right. Thank take you. care. Have a good night. Bye-bye. So, uh, you know, just before he called, um, I was asking you about your musical skill set. Yes. Right? So I, I wanted to play a song that you've written. Great. And, uh, you know, it speaks to itself, and then you can better explain afterwards. Wonderful. Would that be okay? That would be great. Thank you. All right. We'll go from there.
Hello. Were you listening to yourself? I was. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you feel right now hearing that in this kind of setting? Um, it feels pretty surreal. <laughs> I must say, it's the first time that any of my music has ever been played on the radio, so it's very exciting. Um, I think I was just kind of sitting here trying to really absorb the moment and uh, take it all in. So, yeah, that was great. Thank you for that. So, what's the title of the song? You Will Be the Death of Me. Written by you. Written by me. And it was also accompanied that you performed it with a gentleman named Garnet Abel? Yes, I did. That was um, live at the Hughes Room a few years back. Um, What are you referring to when you say, with that title, You'll Be the Death of Me? So that song is about being in a relationship, you know, as a young adult, that you know inevitably is going to end. You know, I think that we have a lot of practice relationships before maybe you find the right person to settle down with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's kind of an homage to all those relationships that that you know eventually are going to end essentially being the death of you quote unquote how they can kind of you can be immersed in them they can kind of swallow you up yeah. and um, eventually it's over and you, you kind of know that it's going to be but you're enjoying the ride or living the, li- the ride I mean yeah. sometimes the rides are not always enjoyable right that's the true. relationships end <laughs> or transition right. from sometimes being together you're just yeah. hanging on for dear life yeah, right who, when can I get off this roller coaster that's right yeah <laughs> So in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, going through the court system as a, as a parent. Yep. And you were trying to present your perspective as the parent who, of your child with regard to the other parent. Mm-hmm. And there was a struggle with that kind of trying to create a productive and positive co-parenting relationship because that's really the strong need, yet it's a reality that many times it doesn't actually happen yeah so where did you navigate through like you're at this point now doing where are you at with it so again um definitely accepting because even though we've had resolutions that have lasted for a number of months again we seem to always be pulled back um to the courthouse because of for one reason or another um and so yeah, I guess just accepting, and, and you can never learn too much. I, I honestly believe that that law, learning about laws, especially in your own mm-hmm. uh, country and, and things that pertain to you, like your like the family law system, it's, it's helped me grow. You can never stop learning, um, which I think is fantastic, and I've definitely learned a lot. And so, if anything, I try and take from this experience the fact that I've learned so much about family law, which I think is pretty cool because I didn't have to pay to go to school and get that education. I kind of educated myself a little and, you know, learned from other people that I got to know down there. So So in terms of that feeling that you acquired, that it shifted your mindset and your just how you viewed yourself, how have you taken that and placed it into your everyday world? Um, I think that that I don't have as much anxiety about it uh, um, now, like going down to the courthouse. I've just kind of, again, just kind of accepted it and and made it part of my life. So, 
so it's not consuming me as much as it used to because even when I wasn't going down there just knowing that I had to go down there would kind of have an effect on my everyday life before I was even heading down there so this newfound way of managing things has certainly helped me be more relaxed it's still an unpleasant experience altogether but it's not as unpleasant um, as it used to be and I and I feel like it's given me a lot of confidence as well I carry myself in a different way and and again you know representing yourself you got to kind of learn how to not take anything from from anybody you got to go down there and I always have a mantra that I say in my head mm -hmm. before I walk down there I say I am smart I am strong and I will do anything I can to protect my family well, you know, I strongly support about the whole concept of self-empowerment. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, one major thing I try to share with people is that court does nothing for anybody. The ownership and the onus rests with the individual who's going through the, the court to inform themselves, to do the research, to get the needed knowledge, <coughs> especially if they're self-represented. Yeah. And not just because, too, if they do have counsel, people should also still be informing themselves and not just be having a, a dependency on the lawyer telling them this is what's going to happen. People, if they're better connected with the information about what they're going to experience, mm -hmm. I think they can better navigate through those experiences. Yeah, and they don't have to worry about someone trying to pull the wool over their eyes because the lawyer could really tell you anything that they want. And if you're just sitting there nodding yes, then... Well, things happen to us then rather than with us being actively involved and intersecting in those moments and affecting those moments too. Yeah. What would you like to, uh, another poem? Oh, sure. Um, so this one is called My Heart. You're calling me out while I call out your name. You think what I'm doing is all done in vain. I don't do it for me. I don't do it for you. I do it for the sake of the one who can't do. I don't mean to hurt you, I have no control. My cries are unheard, my story untold. I fear in my heart what the future will hold. So Victoria, you know, in terms of um, what you've gone through or what you're going through, how would you now identify yourself or define yourself relative to how you initially did when you started it like eight years ago? Mm -hmm. I would certainly say that it has shown me uh, a stronger side of myself that I didn't know I had in me which was was excellent um, as I said before when I first started going down there um, I certainly wasn't wasn't dressed in a manner that would demand any sort of respect what do you mean by that can you so draw a picture in some way with my, your words my backpack my yeah. Baggy jacket. I, I do look very young for my age. Um, I've often been mistaken for a kid. Just a few weeks ago, I was, as a matter of fact, <laughs> with my son, who's almost the same size as me now. Um, so I think that the way you present yourself, because people are always quick to judge, pardon the pun. The external, the physicality of people, whether it's how you said your stature whatever yeah and also the way you dress yes the way you dress so for me now um high heels hair done full makeup um as many pieces of jewelry as i can 
I, I've been mistaken for a lawyer now more times down there than I have been mistaken for a teenager, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that 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 has definitely helped the way the duty councils speak with you, um, the way the advice councils speak with you, and again, uh, just making sure that that even though that place can be kind of dark and negative, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you have to be dark and negative. You can go down there with a smile on your face. Tell people to have a great day when you're done talking to them. Shake their hand. Get to know their first name so that the next time you see them, inevitably, you can address them by their first name. And introduce yourself as well because why not, right? You can never have too many friends on the dark side. (laughs) I don't know. Pink Floyd said uh, the dark side of the moon. Uh, I was thinking more Darth Vader, but... Well, either way. (laughs) What if Darth Vader would ever make a uh, record an album. Yeah. What that would be called. Do you have another s- poem? You've got like two more that you share. Yeah, so um, this one actually kind of speaks to the darker side of the moon there. Uh, it's called Dark Light. Heavy like paper, my heart fills the room. Fluorescence above, me can't outshine the gloom. Waiting, debating, inflating your head. Your sticks may break, your stones may ache, but I will never play dead. So point your finger and cry my name until your eyes fall out. It's all your fault. The one to blame is you, I have no doubt. So what does it mean to you to be able to, you know, communicate about your experience of going through this? What you've been going through, you still go through. Yeah. What does it mean to you? Um, It means that I have a positive release. Um, You know, I, I can't count how many times I cried over letters that I received in the mail telling me that, you know, I'm going back to court again. So instead of, you know, sitting around and crying about it, it's it's always better to kind of be able to put your feelings on paper. You can tuck it away. You can revisit it. And, and again, you know, see where you can get strength from that and and move forward and, and know that you're a stronger person for it. So is it like a, a any struggle in being out there in some way right now? I mean, no one can see you physically. Yeah. Yet your voice is there and... Later on, there'll be a podcast of this. So, w- what would it mean to you in terms of how the listeners process this conversation? Um, I think the biggest thing is again just to know that that you're not alone. This is something that people don't talk about up front. You don't, you know, meet up with friends after a long time and be like, "Oh, let me tell you all about my negative family court experiences," right? Um, it's something that people are walking through and they're not talking about. So it's good to know that there's lots of other people out there who are are going through the same things that you're going through and they're with you in it, in a sense, because you're able to relate, I guess. No, I understand that you didn't mention much about this to many people. Yeah. It was only a very, you know, a very core number of people Mm -hmm. for your reasons. And now you've come out of the light of, of the darkness sorry into yeah. the light we'll, yeah we'll use the metaphors there aren't you concerned about putting yourself out there the vulnerability that it may present um you know what i'm not because i think that i think that it's important to have a voice for this sort of thing somebody's got to come out and and say hey i'm going through this and it's tough and it sucks and it hurts but i'm going to be okay and to have other people who can just even sit down and kind of start a conversation about it, 
the, the relief, I think, of knowing that there's other people out there, like our caller who called in, you know, it's nice, he said, I, I feel you, and that's so true, is I feel you too, you know, and it's something that lots of people are going through, and it's important for... People for to realize yeah. they're not alone. That's right, yeah. I mean, we try to really, uh, you know, present that kind of message, that when people go through struggles, people feel so isolated yeah. and marginalized and alone with regard to those experiences and the emotions that go with it and then nobody else is going to understand me or know yet. yeah or why me right and and it's not why me it's there's lots of people out there who are who are probably asking the same question right so so what can we better learn about people regarding the whole court process uh i think that they're people and sometimes when, you know, no matter who it is, if it's, if it's a mom who's down there, you know, fighting for her child, or if it's an advice counsel that's maybe having a bad day, or it's the officers that greet you when you come in, mm -hmm. um, they're all people who have their own personal struggles, who are all walking through life just like you are. And I think it's really important to remember that. And again, that's why I say, you know, greet them with a smile, thank them for their service, shake a hand or two, and, and try and pass on a little bit of positivity into their day. Right. I mean, we go through our moments. People see the superficial, what's on the surface. Yeah. We all have backstories. And whether others are open to hearing that or even others are, or people are open to sharing that, you know, that's where the connection can be, where people can cross over to provide that they're open in some way to be connected with and connecting with others. Yeah. You know, but uh, another last poem. Yes. Uh, my, so my last poem is called Courting. A love so strong it cannot break, a heart so full it cannot ache, a deepened burning of fight and fear is what I fear has brought me here. Tests and trials and time will tell, and name these feelings I know so well. I'm courting your honor to honor my end, a life I would die for, a life I defend. I won't let darkness take you away, I won't let injustice rest for a day. I won't let the noise and lies that they say interfere with what lies in my heart where you stay. Coming to terms on my terms for release, allowing myself to finally make peace. What message, or actually, what do you want people to remember from our conversation? Um, I think I want people to remember that they are not alone, that we are all, everyone's walking through something. It could be family court, it could be um, incurable disease, you know, it could be anything. And... Um, and it's important to to remember that that we need to lift each other up and and we need to remember that you know not everybody has it easy everyone's got a story everyone's got something that they're that they're going through and um, and we should try and you know spread a little more love around and uh, and care for each other yeah and uh, and yeah just be just be positive and remember that you're not alone and uh, yeah, and we're all in this together. <laughs> Do it through an empathic way. Yes, and or, or you know, or write it down, or find yeah. something that you can kind of express yourself through and and. So we got to almost close. Yeah. What are you looking to do with your musical background? You're singing. Um, so far, right now, my kids are my biggest fans. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's see what we can do about that. Expanding the pool. Thanks very much for sharing. Thank Appreciate you for it. having me, Greg. Okay.